people think this must be a really depressing area and space to work in. However, you see the benefit that it can make. From the Central Adelaide Local Health Network, this is Our People, where we introduce you to some of Carlin's dedicated workforce who provide world-class healthcare services to our community. It's an often misunderstood part of the health system, but palliative care is one of the most important, and for those on the front line, it's a passion and a privilege. Dr Chloe First has been helping people navigate life's most unknown journey for more than a decade, where she supports patients over the age of 65 to improve their health, well-being and quality of life. Dr First is a dual-trained geriatrician and a palliative care physician working across both specialties at the Central Adelaide Local Health Network. She's also the medical lead for acute and urgent care at the Royal Adelaide Hospital, sits on Carlin's Clinical Ethics Committee, and she was involved in the implementation of South Australia's voluntary assisted dying legislation. I'm Caroline Winter, and Dr Chloe First, thanks for joining us in the Carlin studio for this episode of Our People. Thank you for having me here. Dr First, the term palliative care is often misunderstood. What would you like people to know about palliative care and its purpose? Thanks for that. Palliative care is often perceived to be about end of life. And whilst that is certainly a part of what we do as or do in palliative care, it's about far more than that. It's about symptom management um, and it's about multidisciplinary care and really trying to understand the patient's wishes and values and work with them to optimise their function and make their last days, weeks or months of life as positive as possible. There's some lovely, I guess, words in there that that tie in with palliative care. As you say, it is end of life, but um, that can also be quite a beautiful thing, can't it? Absolutely. Uh, Some of the most memorable moments in my working career have been about supporting patients uh, at the end of life and in those last sort of that last period. And families can really connect with their loved ones. And I think you get rid of all the noise and it really comes down to what's so important and that's around family and loved ones and you take in the moment far more Um, so it's it's very rewarding space to be working in and you can make such a difference as a doctor or as a nurse or allied health in this space so yeah it's quite it's quite remarkable to, to work in this area. I imagine working in palliative care takes a particular kind of person. Is it where you ever intended to end up? I did always want to do palliative care because I had had a personal experience with end of life uh, in a family member and I'd seen what good palliative care looked like and recognised the huge benefit and sort of remarkable difference it could make. And then you start medicine and it's a long journey. Um, I wasn't necessarily sure whether I would continue on that pathway through to palliative care. But when I did start medicine and dealing with patients and families towards end of life, um, and particularly sort of the older population, uh, I, I found it just as rewarding as I had hoped. So people think this must be a really depressing area and space to work in. However, you see the benefit that it can make. 
The importance of this area of healthcare can't be understated, particularly with Australia's ageing population. What effect is that having on the demand for palliative care services? So palliative care has traditionally been thought of in the terms of malignancy and and cancers. What we are seeing is a real growth in non-malignant palliative care, so chronic end-stage heart failure, dementia, and other life-limiting illnesses. And so that's really had to change the models of care that in the way we provide palliative care. It's also about thinking about specialist versus generalist palliative care because we have an ageing population and we need to be able to provide good symptom control for all that population and a large number of these people are in the community and particularly in residential aged care facilities. So how do we actually outreach into those spaces and ensure that people that are in their last months or days of life in the community get the same level of care as those that are in our hospitals? And so what do you see as as the biggest challenges in meeting the demand? It is truly about having trained and skilled carers and staff, particularly I think in the aged care space. We've obviously seen the uh, Royal Aged Care Commission and recognition that palliative care is not always done well in nursing homes. So I think we need to be sort of upskilling all of the staff in that space and also recognising that GPs play such a huge role in this space as well. And some of them are absolutely amazing and very passionate as well. GPs have partnered with their their patients for, for many years often and truly know the wishes and values um, of their patients. And so they are well placed to be able to support patients. I think the other thing is it's about educating our society about what is and isn't available to them and making sure that we have conversations and plan for end of life and what might happen if things are deteriorating. So what do you think then can be done to improve the broader community's understanding of of palliative care? Uh, Again, a lot of education around the fact that palliative care can be beneficial, not just at end of life and around symptom management. I think we have to get better about having conversations um, around goals of care and completing that formal legal paperwork around advanced care directives and enduring power of attorneys and, and setting up patients and families for when things don't go to plan. I guess um, broadly speaking, we have a bit of a fear of of death. So how can we encourage more people to seek out these services um, before they're needed even so that it's not such a frightening prospect when they are needed? Yeah, that's a really tricky one. I I think death, it's scary because it's unknown um, and therefore having a conversation with your GP about what might be coming or what to expect uh, is always beneficial. I think it's useful to reassure society that for most people, death is a really comfortable experience and it's not the thing that they fear and it can be very, very peaceful. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. As you've noted, I mean, palliative care can involve difficult conversations. So what tips do you have on how to initiate those conversations, obviously with sensitivity and with empathy? People are afraid of having conversations around death and dying. And I don't think we model it very well in healthcare. So we need to be just 
jumping in there and actually having the conversation. We do it sensitively. We pick the right time. We make sure it's a quiet place that the right people are involved. I tend to fire what we call a warning shot in the business. So that's trying to, I guess, foreshadow that we're about to have a conversation that might be difficult. And now's the time that we would maybe turn off our phones, we would focus on the moment. Um, And then really using the language that is appropriate for that individual that's in front of you, trying to get rid of medical jargon because that's something else we do in healthcare a lot is we use a lot of long, big words that are scary and that are not really well understood. So it's really important that the language that we're using is coming together to work with that person in front of us. And working together, one of the things I also see is that we talk in terms of negation often. So we talk about limiting interventions and not doing things. What we actually need to be talking about is what we are going to do and that we're going to do the appropriate things. And at all times, we're going to be caring for the the individual in front of us. And so is is that patient at the very centre of that care and, and what the plan might be? Absolutely. The patient should always be number one. We should always be speaking to the patient at all times, even if we think that they maybe don't completely understand us. We should only really defer or talk to families when we've got permission from that individual in front of us and as an adjunct to ensure that everyone is is on board. I think as well, including as many people in the conversation as possible is always really useful um, so that there's not that mixed messages. And how has the delivery of palliative care changed in the past, say, decade? And should it be tailored to need? It should absolutely be tailored to need. And as I sort of mentioned earlier, I think we are having to treat patients with far more different diagnoses. We are learning that if we walk alongside of conventional interventional therapy earlier, uh, that actually has better outcomes, both in terms of ironically mortality, but also obviously in terms of quality of life. So previously, what we know is that if someone had a terminal diagnosis, they would receive uh, treatment and intervention from, for instance, their cancer specialist, they might receive chemotherapy and At the time when there were no further treatment options, at that point they'd be referred to palliative care. What we're now trying to do is walk alongside some of the other subspecialties and provide that symptom management, that uh, planning for end of life earlier in the patient's journey. And we know that that actually leads to better quality of life and end of life outcomes. And I guess the other benefit of that is that we're also planning and we're supporting families because the other big part of palliative care is around bereavement and is around supporting sort of families for after the individual in question's death. I guess for you, what are the highs and the lows of this job? I think the highs and the lows go hand in hand. Um, For me, the greatest high was around providing outreach. It was geriatrics, but it was actually a large part of palliative care during COVID into residential aged care facilities. We know that the older population often didn't tolerate a COVID infection well. And so supporting those individuals in the nursing homes to actually receive COVID treatment and care, but then also transition them to end of life, if that was what was occurring, was was hugely rewarding. Um, Similarly, you get to spend time with patients and, and families and you see 
the benefit of touch, the benefit of a kind word, it can be quite remarkable. I've also seen weddings organised on the fly because we know that that's been the one goal that those you know two individuals have seen as the most important thing that, that what they really wanted to occur before the death of a loved one. Many highs, many lows, many tears, um, but some amazing families that I've been able to support. I have no doubt. And and how do you balance the emotional demands of working in palliative care? I guess with the need to maintain your own emotional and, and mental well being. Yeah, I think just like it's important for families that are going through palliative care to have someone to support them. Um, My family and my friends are hugely important to me. It's always important to go home, I think, and debrief and have someone that sort of will listen to you. I also similarly like to be able to switch off occasionally and I find that exercise for me is the way that I do that Um, and trying to, when I get a spare moment, read a book. (laughs) Um, But also, yeah, taking a moment with the children and and again, being reminded of this is why I am in this business. I love my family and I love being able to live and I want to be able to live well and have good quality of life. And that's what I take into my role is how do I support other people to have that same quality of life? Do people who are close to the end of their life share any similarities? Uh, I think everything's stripped back and so no longer does it matter how much you earn, what you're wearing, what you look like. It is around who's around you at that time. Most people don't have regrets if they've got someone that's important sort of sitting next to them. Yeah, that's probably the main similarity that comes through towards end of life. Yeah, what a beautiful insight. It's obviously a privilege to be there at the end of someone's life. Uh, Have you learned any life lessons from the patients that you've worked with that you now try to live by? Uh, I've asked a few of my patients um, how they've managed to have, you know, 50 happy years of marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure I've learned learned much. Um, I, I think really it's around sort of taking every day with a smile, putting a smile on your face, um, not sweating the small stuff. That's that's the, the repeated messages that I hear. Great advice for all of us. And uh, just finally, I guess if you were going to encourage someone else to go into this line of work, into palliative care, what would you say to them? I would absolutely encourage anyone in healthcare to think about going into palliative care. You can make such a difference You can support people to enjoy, it sounds strange, but to actually enjoy and have a good quality at the end. Um, And I think it gives you perspective on what you want for your life. It's, It's rewarding. It also has the benefit of you can work both in hospital, in the community, in nursing homes, in GP practices. There's so much scope for palliative care and we truly need it across all facets of medicine. So the world is, you know, that that healthcare workers oyster if they choose to go into palliative care. It's been so interesting speaking with you. Dr. Chloe first, thank you for sharing your insights on such an important part of our healthcare system and for joining me in the Carlin studio for our people. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Our People. For more episodes in this series, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or a rating 
and share this series with your colleagues and friends. This podcast was developed by the Central Adelaide Local Health Network. We would like to acknowledge the Ghana people and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge their spiritual connection to the land on which this podcast is recorded.